Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon, even at the producer and sponsorship levels. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Miles Anderson about how to build a nurturing, high-performance culture on a shoestring budget. Miles Anderson, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. John, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you today. I'm super excited for our conversation. We're going to be exploring how to build a nurturing, high-performance culture on a shoestring budget. And we talk a lot about culture on this podcast. There are so many things we can be doing that we should be doing. And some of them, frankly, are time-intensive and quite expensive. Other things, though, we can do consistently over time, and it really doesn't cost much of anything. It just takes time and attention. Uh, So we're going to try to tackle this from a low budget or no budget kind of a perspective today. Uh, The other thing that I'm excited to explore with you, you're you're based out of the UK. I am south of Salt Lake City in Utah, and your business Mm -hmm. has a bit of a distributed team. And as we were talking in the pre-interview, you also acknowledge that you have about 30% of your team that are located in the Ukraine. And of course, right now we're in the midst of this horrible global um, situation with, with Russia invading uh, the Ukraine. And, and so we can explore a little bit what that has looked like leading up to this point, of course, mm-hmm. just, just in terms of having a distributed team and trying to, to promote a culture, you know, when you aren't physically together. Um, but also, you know, what do you do when when geopolitical disaster strikes and and you're trying to take care of your people. So we're that's a lot to unpack in 25 minutes, but that's what we're going to attempt <laughs> yeah. to do. Um, as we get started, I just wanted to share Miles' bio with everybody. Miles Anderson is the CEO and co-founder of Bright Local, a technology company with a mission to help marketers become brilliant at local search marketing. As CEO, Miles' daily focus is on expanding the leadership capabilities throughout the business, fostering a deep sense of accountability at every level and strengthening the highly supportive company culture that aims to make Bright Local the best place that any employee will ever work. I love that. Uh, it's a tall order, the, the best place yeah. anyone will ever work, but I love aspirational goals like that. And clearly you're, you're spending a lot of time and energy to make that happen. It's not, an em- it's not just empty rhetoric. So I, I think that's fantastic. Uh, before we dive on into the conversation, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been running Bright Local for 13 years. Uh, we are a bootstrapped independent business. So we've never taken any outside investment. 
We have um, always had a mission of long-term profitable growth, rather a goal of long-term profitable growth. And we have been roughly growing 20% year on year since around 2012. So sort of 10 years of fairly consistent, steady growth. We are up to around uh, 11 million in annual turnover. We've got 200 people worldwide. We're headquartered in the UK. We've also got offices, as you said, John, earlier in, in the Ukraine. We have an office in the Philippines uh, as well. And absolutely, our, our mission is to help marketers become brilliant at local search marketing. But our kind of reason for existing as a business is to create um, an incredible work experience, a work experience that myself and my business partner, Ed, who's our CTO, never found in our early careers. Um, you know, we found places to work, places to develop careers. We never found a place that we could essentially felt like we could really be ourselves, that we could bring our whole selves to work, that was a true meritocracy, devoid of office politics and you know, frustration, frustrating sort of ladder climbing um, sort of nuances that we had to kind of navigate, which I would put my hands up and say I was not very good at. Uh, and that's what we wanted to kind of build when we started Bright Local, a place that we could really be ourselves, could enjoy, and a place that other people could, could enjoy that experience as well. And that's, as the CEO, that is my my mission every single day when I come to work. That's fantastic. And I think we've all experienced that. And it sounds like a little bit of the, that elusive unicorn hunt, you know, trying to find, <laughs> find yeah. or create the organization where organizational politics, you know, isn't it where it's not steeped in organizational politics, where people are just playing to trying to play those games, rather than actually just do the work that's going to help the, them and the organization be successful. Um, so I, I applaud you for that effort, because that is, is a real challenge. And, and frankly, pretty much every organization I've ever seen has really struggled with that. Uh, and it, perhaps it's just human nature, it's the nature of, of organizations. And when people get together in a collaborative setting and that these things tend to happen. Um, but it's not necessarily inevitable. I think there are ways we can make a more healthy environment where people can feel needed, wanted, valued, where their where their contributions are um, seen and where where their value is recognized. I think that is very possible uh, if we can get out of kind of the the traditions of of what we see in many businesses. Yeah, I, I, I would absolutely agree. And I think we've had the fortune of starting off as a small business with that being our intention and have managed to stay true to it as we've grown. I, you know, I sometimes say, you know, would, if I was to step into a much larger organization, would I be able to, uh, to, break, to break it up in terms of the way it operates at that particular point in time and rebuild it in a model which was very much around the model that I've kind of been able to create at Bright Local from the ground up? I think that would probably be a much more challenging task to have to kind of retrain and re-educate and certainly take a little time to uh, time to do it but it but it can be done and i certainly have felt the benefits of having a very culture focused business which is has a culture that's really focused around looking after people giving them a place where they can be themselves they can bring their whole selves to work but also a place that is full of ambition so we're full of ambition to serve our customers to the best of best degree possible. We've got ambition to educate, train, and coach our team members to be the best that they can be in terms of their kind of skills and, and their, their careers, whether those careers are at Bright Local or, or beyond there. So we're a very caring culture, but we're also extremely ambitious. And the nice thing about when you get those two things right is that motivation just flows through the organization. And that's not motivation that comes from external pressures or 
large bonuses, it comes from people wanting to do the best they possibly can because they feel nurtured, cared for and supported in this environment. And when they look at their colleagues all around them, they can see the level of care and attention and commitment that they're putting in. And they want to they want to match that. They don't want to let their colleagues down because that's not the ethos of the kind of company. Uh, and you know, I get the fruits of that every day as a CEO because I don't sit at my desk wondering how to motivate people. I sit at my desk wondering how to take care of people and actually how to avoid burnout because actually that's more, more of a problem within our organization is people sometimes working overtime, working weekends, just because they feel they don't want to let the team down. They don't want to let themselves down or the sort of business down. So we have to sometimes pull them, pull them back from the brink a bit rather than, rather than push them towards it. Yeah, that's interesting. And that says a lot about the supportive culture and the, the employee-centric kind of safety and health-based culture that you're trying to create. Because many organizations, quite frankly, they're trying to squeeze every last ounce of productivity <laughs> out of their people. And if they can get them to work weekends, they're going to do it. And I've heard many times, I, 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 it's, it boggles my mind, but I've heard this many, many times that leaders will say things like, you know what, we know that we're going to turn over people. Uh, so if we're going to get them for a year or two, we're just going to literally, we're going to, we're going to run them into the ground, get every last ounce of, of work out of them that we can, and then we'll send them off, you know, to their next employer. Um, and I mean, from a business perspective, solely like business bottom line perspective, maybe that makes sense, but there's still all the costs involved with turnover and, and things like that, that I think yeah. are, are going to come back to hurt the organization. But from a human perspective, that's terrible. Um, that kind of an approach, um, just seeing people as like this, this expendable resource that you can just use up and spit out. Uh, it's just so contrary to my fundamental kind of philosophy of life and business and leadership that you know, I, I just can't abide that. And so I, I love to hear, you know, how your approach towards support and actually trying to counteract burnout, you're actually taking the opposite approach. You're actually trying to proactively get people to take time off, take the weekends, take vacation, like don't burn yourself out, take care of yourself, practice self-care uh, and be healthy. And, and we know there's tons of research that shows that that actually in the long run will be uh, a better, provide better bottom line outcomes for organizations. It's just so often organizations are focused on the short term. And so they're willing to sacrifice the people around them to get those short term gains. You're actually right. I mean, it's, it's kind of the difference between uh, compliance and commitment. You know, they can both arrive at the same, the same place, but one of them arrives there with a lot of hard work and effort. One of them arrives there willingly and delighted. Um, you know, so we, we look upon our, our team as, you know, as trying to create evangelists, not mercenaries. Uh, we want people that will, and it makes actually makes leadership management much easier. You know, if you've got people who, you know, are actually holding me to task for for what I'm doing, making sure that I'm not dropping the ball in terms of my pledges to them and keeping me true to the kind of company culture and mission, that's great because we've you know rather than having myself and my leadership team of seven watching out for the well-being of the business, I've got 200 people who care deeply about the well-being of the business, and for me, I can. I can take days off, I can go on holiday, and I know that the people I have have, you know, left behind working are taking as good care of business when I'm not there as, as, well, as, when I'm, as well as when I'm there. It doesn't, you know, actually my involvement 
doesn't really make a huge amount of difference. Uh, and I've certainly seen as the team has grown, and I've brought in a leadership team, I've managed to move away, move myself away from a lot of the operational aspects of what I used to do. I used to, you know, as an entrepreneur, when I started the business, it was myself and my business partner for my kitchen tables. We did everything. I did everything generally to a pretty bad level, if I'm really honest, particularly when I look around now and I've got genuine bona fide skilled professionals doing everything from customer success to content writing for marketing to design briefs. Uh, and I'm pretty ashamed of how badly I did it back in the day. But, you know, that got us from A to B. And now we're probably, at, you know, D, E or F by now and, uh, uh, and can continue to grow with, with a much more sort of professional nature and professional set of people uh, within the business. But I'm able to now step back as a CEO and focus on really on two things or three things. One is the culture of the business, which I spend around 50% of my time thinking about. And we also have a head of people, purpose and culture, who I work very closely with on how we implement some of the things and how we take it to the next level. I spent a third of a quarter of my time focusing on the leadership team, helping them to work with their own teams to improve the leadership skills within the business. And then a, probably another quarter of my time spent on products, product market fit and customers uh, and ensuring that I'm staying close to that aspect uh, of, the, of the business. But it's been great. I've been able to uh, evolve uh, as a manager, as a leader, because I've got people who are willing to step up and take over all those roles, do a much better job than me and with almost the same level of motivation as I've got. And you've described uh, a bit about how you came to this mindset, largely, if I'm hearing you correctly, from your own core experiences earlier in your career at other organizations that didn't do this particularly well. But I'm wondering if there's anything else, you know, that you attribute, you know, where your philosophy around leadership and culture, where that comes from. Uh, and yeah. why, why you try to create the type of environment you do today in your organization. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Academy. Courses, micro-credentials, and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. All HCI Academy courses, micro-credentials, and certificates are designed, developed, and delivered by award-winning and internationally renowned scholars, educators, thought leaders, executives, and practitioners. Our courses, micro-credentials, and certificates will help you make your mark on the future of work and make an immediate impact in your organizations. Check out the HCI Academy and our many course offerings and certificates to upskill and reskill for the future of work. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. I would say that there was a period of time where We've always had the same, we've always had a sort of core philosophy around treating people well, doing, doing good work, enjoying, enjoying what we do. Over time, as it's grown, it's become, it's become crystallized and we've been able to, to, to more clearly put definitions around the, the thoughts and the feelings that we had about what we wanted to do. I think someone who has inspired me a lot in this case is Simon Sinek, who's a, you know, a well-known sort of business sort of philosopher, evangelist, uh, sort of optimist. He actually gave some concrete words to a lot of the things that I was trying to do things like um you know how you treat people how you kind of support people how you don't have to drive people to the edge to get them to work 
actually, if you give them clear guidance, you give them nurture and support, you give them some autonomy, the, the flower of motivation uh, grows, grows from within them. Um, he also talks about the, the kind of infinite game where actually as a, as a business, you don't have to solely focus on, you know, the well-being of your shareholders, which in this case is my, myself and my business partner, we don't have any. So in a way, I'm like, fortunate to take that element out of the equation, but actually in terms of being able to, you know, just trying to sustain the business for as long as possible and make decisions that were focused on long-term steady growth and not actually worry too much about, you know, the competition and trying to beat the competition, but actually more focused on ourselves inwardly, trying to make ourselves better day after day after day through remaining true to our culture, remaining true to our mission, implementing great coaching, great fostering of skills within the team so they become better at their jobs. We can actually become a bigger, better business. And we don't really have to you know, worry too much about what our kind of competitors are doing. We work in a pretty big marketplace and we've got the sort of fortune, the fortune of doing that. But essentially, you know, sort of studying sort of Simon Sinek and reading some of his books gave a voice to some of the thoughts and the feelings I had about it, helped me to kind of crystallize those thoughts and actually also gave me the permission to to not worry about short-term gains, but to really, really focus on the long-term and to focus inwardly rather than outwardly on the things that I can control, which is you know, the well-being, health, motivation of team members. I agree. I think Simon Sinek is great. I have many um, like Simon who I've kind of looked to over the years as great examples and who have articulated so well a lot of these core principles. Um, and so the, the good thing about the internet is we have such tremendous access through TED Talks and podcasts and people writing all sorts of great things that are often freely accessible um, so that we can start to frame up our own way of thinking about these, these really important issues. And so, uh, of course, anyone listening to this podcast, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir because you're listening because you're, you're actively seeking out uh, these types of materials so you can better, you know, your own understanding your own application and implementation. Um, but it, 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 it's important to just note, like this is, this is important stuff that we need to continually be uh, developing ourselves. We can't take it for granted. And when, when we get complacent, inevitably, we, we will tend to fall back into the same traps that we've seen other people and other organizations fall into. I don't think most people have bad intentions and most people don't wake up in the morning thinking about how they're going to exploit um, human beings around them, yet we see it so prevalent, prevalently in the world around us. And, and it's because, you know, we, we aren't as intentional uh, in, in carrying out the work that we do that as we should be or could be. Um, and, and perhaps that's a, that's a segue. Um, you know, I, I mentioned early on, uh, as I was introducing you, that you have 30% of your team that's in the Ukraine. And we're, this isn't a political podcast. And so we're not going to get into great depth about the geopolitical kind of conflict that's happening there with Russia invading. Uh, it, but it's, it's certainly a sad thing. And, and I'm happy, you know, you reported that everyone is safe uh, from your team. That's wonderful. Um, but it adds layers of complexity uh, to how you're, you're managing and trying to develop this culture when you have a distributed team. The first and foremost, that's, well, let me, let me step back creating the the kind of culture that you're describing is is really hard anyways even when everyone's like together in the same physical location you add to that now you have a distributed team and you have people um in in multiple locations you have your philippines office you have your ukraine office 
uh, for example, and you're trying to, to create and maintain and sustain this, this meaningful dynamic culture, that's even more challenging. Then you add on top of that geopolitical conflict in the context that all of your team in, in the Ukraine are dealing with. And I, I just can't even imagine. I, I don't even know how you go about dealing with that. So maybe you can just walk us through a little bit about what you've done this past week, for example, in trying to understand and meet the needs of your people in Ukraine. Um, and then we can talk, maybe zoom out a little bit and talk a little bit more broadly about just how you do this with, with people scattered around the, around the world. Yeah. So I think I said earlier that our culture is very much a culture of uh, caring personally about team members, uh, being helpful, supportive, open, honest, being as positive, as proactive uh, as we can do, um, and trying to uh, to get better each day and share each other's success. So actually, many of those aspects, you know, apply to the way we're trying to help our, our, our team team in Ukraine. And I think one of the key things within leadership, particularly around trying to establish a culture, is is around role modeling and being consistent. Uh, and I said, you know, with a, with a culture where we have a culture of, of kind of caring personally, being supportive and helpful, the challenge we have at the moment, in a strange way, is a, is a tremendous opportunity for us to really prove to the, the people within the organization that what we've said many, many times over, when life is easy, i.e. You know, when business is usual and we're going through it, that we will look after you, we'll do these things, and suddenly you're presented with a, you know, a war, a conflict, a humanitarian crisis, you know, you know, if we'd suddenly backed away from what we said we do in those easy times and the hard times, the whole thing unravels, you know, the, the, you know, the people see it as being untruthful, as just being, you know, hollow, hollow words being spoken. So what I've spent the last week doing, I'm partly trying to, to quell my own emotions, and if I'm very, very honest with you, uh, I probably burst into tears around 20 or 30 times since last Thursday morning when the, the tanks and the troops rolled across the border uh, and into Ukraine. We've had around 30 people there, 35 people. They've got husbands, wives, children, parents. A lot of them are now fleeing across the country, uh, looking for safe havens away from the bombing and the shelling. Some have remained in, most of them are in Kiev, some are for the Western Lviv, um, which is the safer side of the country right now. Um, we, we didn't see this coming to the, to the significant level that it is right now, but we, we, we had started making plans. So we actually secured some safe houses in the west of the country. Uh, we had two, we tried to get four. We didn't move fast enough because we got caught out like the rest of the world did in terms of the speed at which things, things um, evolved. But essentially we've now managed to move 20 of our team and their family to these safe houses, which some of them took 24 hours, some of them have taken three days uh, for them to get there. We have obviously made sure that every team member doesn't have to work. We're not requiring to work in any kind of capacity. We, but they do, we are in touch with them. We know where they are. They know they can kind of call upon us. We have obviously provided safe houses for those who can get there and who need it. Uh, some have stopped off with other family members in the kind of countryside. And that's where, that's where we are. That's where we are today. The next challenge is we're, we're trying to work through is how we can ensure they get supplies, food, potentially some cash because they can use cards, but cash is running out and some cash is needed in, in shops to buy you know, sort of small supplies. So we've probably got to the point now where we've established that they're safe from immediate harm, at least for the next sort of 24 hours. And I think they're out of the real metropolises, which are likely to be targeted with, uh, with sort of shelling, although we do have some still in Kiev at a personal choice for 
their own sort of personal reasons. The next phase of the challenge is, okay, how long is this going to go on for? Not from a business point of view, but how do we get supplies to them? How can we get cash over the border? How can we get humanitarian aid to them? Um, it's obviously not just to, to my team, it's to the, to the entire country, but I feel as if I can make a big difference by focusing on the 70 to 80 dependents that I can help by getting, getting what they need. So that's the next phase of the challenges uh, is, uh, is, is doing that. Obviously, what we're also trying to do is keep their morale up. We're showing them you know, how much we are thinking of them. We're making small acts of sort of support and kind of kindness every day across the business uh, that's being shared to them. And that goes a long way to, to them recognizing that they're not alone, that the people that said that they would stand by them in the good times are standing by them in the bad times. Uh, and that's what we'll do. And, you know, I have to say each day as it comes and we are, you know, having strange conversations with private security firms, which I never thought I would have to have a conversation with a private security firm uh, in my life, we're talking to sort of journalists, we're talking to, to anyone who's got access into and out of the country just, just to see what's possible and to see where we can start to uh, to have a, have an impact and have an influence. But it really changes every, every 24 hours uh, and we'll just have to see what comes next. Beyond this, beyond this, you know, the immediate conflict, we're looking at what we can do in terms of creating other safe havens in other parts of Europe. We actually have a, a sort of business set up in Poland, which is essentially a dormant business, but we could potentially rent houses, rent flats, rent offices, and have the team move there at a point that was appropriate for either them or, or their partners. So essentially thinking of putting essentially a stake in the ground and saying, there is a home for you here. There's a community that will look after you. If you want to make that move, we'll try and assist with transport, but you've got someone that, somewhere else that you can head to where you'll be looked after. I love all of that, Miles. Uh, what a horrific time. And I really applaud you and the effort of your organization and your team to try to take care of your people. Um, and it's heartbreaking. Uh, I wish the best for everyone on your team. And, and I, you know, please let, you know, update me if, if there's, if there's developments and, and uh, I, I'm really fascinated by all this and I, I hope the best for everyone who's there in Ukraine. Uh, Miles, I note the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. Uh, but okay. before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Lang, to talk a little bit about Ukraine. I know it's a little bit off topic, but actually I was going to link the two up saying that actually, obviously we're doing all these acts to support the team who are, who are crucially in need there. But for the team that aren't there, the team in the UK, the team in the Philippines, they see what they see us doing this. They see us standing by our word, being true to our word, and I think actually that's how culture is built. Culture is not built through enormous gestures. It's not built through gigantic, lavish parties. It's actually built through more humble, consistent, everyday gestures that show that you, that what you say is true and you mean, and you mean what you say. And I think a great thing about building a culture is it doesn't have to be expensive. You just have to understand what you want your culture to be, be consistent with it, role model it as a leadership team and in good times and bad don't forget it just be consistent with it and then others will, will come to understand that and they and they will get on board with it um in terms of you can get hold of uh, get hold of me or to reach me you can find us at brightlocal.com there's everything you might want to know about the business there if you're interested in understanding more about local search marketing we have a free academy online which is a number of courses i think we're up to seven courses now which will pretty much educate you about all facets and aspects of local search marketing 
If you want to email me directly, you can email me at miles at brightlocal.com. Miles is unusually spelled. It's M-Y-L-E-S. It's miles at brightlocal.com. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Thank you, Miles. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Miles and his team can do for you. Keep a good thought out for uh, all those who are struggling in the Ukraine right now and, and donate and make contributions to support them wherever possible. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Bluer than indigo leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations podcast? Please subscribe, leave a review, comment, share, and consider supporting the podcast on Patreon even at the producer and sponsorship levels.
Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.